welcome to Don't Tell Mama, where we spill the sweet tea on all things Southern. I'm Mandy. I'm Leah. I'm Katie. And you're listening to Don't, Don't Tell Mama. Welcome back to Don't Tell Momo. Today we have another episode of From Mississippi Will Travel. So let me introduce our guest. She's traveled the world in the seven seas. Today's guest is Alexa Harrison. She's a marketing and social media guru, a Gulf Coast native, and she's lived on every coast of the United States. So she's definitely a traveler. Uh, She's also my husband DJ's cousin. And so she's she's part of the family. And of course, we are going to start off by asking her, uh, what is the most Southern thing that has ever happened to you? Thank you so much for that introduction, Leah, and for having me on the podcast. I'm so happy to be here. So the most Southern thing that ever happened to me actually happened to me in Hawaii. (laughs) I was on vacation with my family in Maui. And usually when I travel to a place, there's always like one experience that I'm dead set on doing. And for some reason, I often end up doing that thing alone. (laughs) And it turns out to be this amazing experience. But my family, for whatever reason, they miss out. They can't get their stuff together in time to buy the ticket or aren't willing to commit, whatever it is. Sidebar. Probably the most epic time this ever happened was when I went to Estes Park, Colorado. I really wanted to tour the Stanley Hotel, which is where Stephen King was inspired to write The Shining. So, you know, there's 30 of us on vacation and I'm the only one who goes. I have a great time. Lots of ghostly encounters. Everyone's super jealous. Anyways, this happens again in Hawaii. I'm dead set on going ocean kayaking. So I go on this ocean kayaking tour alone and I get there and there's only like four people there. It's super intimate. So we all get to talking and asking, where are you from? And it turns out two of the people there are from Gulfport, which is where I live. I couldn't believe it. 4,000 miles away. You can take the girl out of Mississippi, but oh, and it doesn't stop there. It turns out they're like my third cousins, of course, right? So Southern. We're literally all cousins. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is amazing. I love it. So sidebar here, we're going to have to have you on to talk about the Stanley Hotel at some point, because that sounds like a wonderful experience. And I've I've seen it. I've been to Estes Park, but we were there for a conference, so... Yeah, we, uh, we didn't. Get, we just had to. We just drove through. Yeah, because you probably did it the year after us. We, like we did it because you were a year mm-hmm. behind me in, that, in in McNair. The only thing I remember about Estes Park was I got food poisoning from Elk Burgers. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> oh that's never yeah. good. Yeah, I'm captivated with this already, Alexa. <laughs> yeah, and, and Alexa, we probably are cousins too because I'm literally related <laughs> to the whole coast. Most likely, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. That is so fun. I love that is amazing. And so Southern, cause you're right. We all are related. Gulfport, Mississippi, not a huge town, 4,000 miles away. That's yeah. I actually, my husband teaches guitar and he just got a new student whose parents are from Ocean Springs, Mississippi, all the way out here in Arizona. So super random. And yeah, that's crazy. Why don't you give us like a brief overview of maybe some of the places that you've traveled tell a little bit tell a little bit about your travel experience yeah well to set the stage that is my life I was born in Ocean Springs and I lived there until I was about five then my mom and I moved to Atlanta which kicked off a long period of my life where I would move about every two years So after Atlanta, we moved to California and lived all over Los Angeles. Then just before my senior year, we relocated to Boston for my stepdad's job, which funnily enough is where my mom was born and where her parents are originally from. So it was like going back to her roots. 
So now I'm 30 and I've spent a decade living on each coast of the U.S. I like to say I'm tri-coastal instead of bi-coastal, tri-coastal. <laughs> I traveled uh, some with my mom growing up, mainly around California or to visit family in Wisconsin or Boston. I got to travel for my mom's work a bit. She worked in marketing for Walt Disney throughout my whole childhood. So I traveled to Disneyland, obviously, all the time, <laughs> Las Vegas, uh, and a few other places on the West Coast. I'd also travel back and forth to Mississippi to see my dad and his side of the family several times a year. But my travel days really started the summer before my senior year of college at UMass Amherst, which was really my junior year because I graduated a year early. I was accepted into the summer program at Oxford University in England. Um, I was there studying Shakespeare and architecture, and it was honestly the best two months of my young adult life, um, living in Oxford and traveling regularly to London and Ireland and Scotland and Italy. It was such a dream. Um, after that, I had the bug, obviously. I was bit. Uh, once I graduated and got a big girl job in advertising in Boston and could actually afford to travel, I went everywhere. All over New England, Maine, Vermont, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, New York about 10,000 times, New Jersey. I mean, I've conquered the whole East Coast and the West Coast and the Southeast. Really, I've just got to hit more of middle America, but I've been to 35 states, 17 national parks, and 11 countries, including Canada, Mexico, England, France, Finland, Italy, Ireland, Scotland, the Dominican Republic, and Belize. But I think my favorite travel experiences have been my solo road trips. I drove from San Jose, California to Canada. I stopped in the Redwoods, on the Oregon coast, Portland, Seattle, all the way to Victoria, British Columbia. I got really close to myself on that drive. That was a long time being in the car. Um, <laughs> you'd think because you were in California and those areas that there'd be a lot, but there were long stretches of nothingness and complete darkness and windy roads and tall trees. Uh, so it was it was exciting. A few years later, I drove um, from Boston to Gulfport and stopped in Philly and DC and Richmond and Charleston and Savannah. So those are my two big solo road trips I've done and a not very brief overview of my travels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That sounds like a, a really cool variety of um, places. So I, I like that you told us about your solo road trips, um, because I know there are a lot of, uh, let's just pinpoint like females out there who may be scared to travel on their own. Um, whether they're from Mississippi or not, right? That could be a just a general feeling. I, I won't generalize all fe all females in that category, but um, yeah, are are there uh, tips and tricks that you could uh, share with us about traveling on your own? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the world is a scary place. We we have to acknowledge that. I, I wish it was a safer place for women to travel alone. Um, I don't think it really is, but the times I have traveled alone, I've just been very aware and alert of my surroundings. It was definitely scary at times, I won't lie, um, but it also helped me to really grow and have trust in myself. And, you know, it, it was a major growth opportunity on so many levels every time that I did it. So my advice would be, you know, even though it's scary, still do it because I think it's something that young women specifically should do, you know, when, before, <laughs> before you can't do it anymore. Cause I did it all throughout my twenties and, and now I'm 30 and I have a child and a partner and it's, I don't think too many solo road trips are in my future. Um, so do it while you can for sure. And, and overcome those fears and, but just stay safe and, and be smart. And there's a lot of ways to do that. I don't know that I'm the right person to uh, to guide, but yeah. Cool. 
No, I think you're right. Cause I think that there, a lot of the general, general rules that I think we've, we've mentioned on some of our previous podcasts apply, especially when you're traveling solo. Cause I know all of us have, have at some point done a little of that at least. Um, but I think that, I think that those trips you grow the most from in a lot of ways, you know, cause like, you're right. It's, it's a lot of time with yourself and, um, figuring out who you are and, and, those experiences traveling push you to to really truly understand a lot more about yourself especially when you have nobody else to rely on and you're you're all by yourself and you have to figure things out on your own you know so yeah and they're they're also a lot of fun though too it's also it's also sometimes really lonely like the loneliness of it is unreal and it's not necessarily a bad thing in the end it's just like it can be very overwhelming yeah Uh, it's good to be lonely right I think that's what makes it such a great growth opportunity is it's good to be bored and it's good to be lonely it you know makes you confront Mm -hmm. yourself and and see how you would react under pressure and high stakes situations okay so out of all of the places that you've traveled, um, have you had any location that really kind of, that you've been that really surprised you in terms of maybe you were like, oh, I don't know if I really want to go here or you weren't, you just had no clue what to expect and you were just completely surprised by this location? Yes, Belize. So my cousin who now works for FEMA she was always getting the opportunity to travel to these places that I would literally never think to travel. I mean, she was just in Guam, for example. But uh, years back, she invited me to go to Belize with her and we had the best time. I mean, I literally, you know, she asked me and I booked a ticket like that day. And like two days later, I was there. It was very spur of the moment. I had no idea what to expect she planned the entire thing, which is not normal for me. Like I am the planner of my friends and family. Like I plan minute to minute itineraries. I do all of the booking, everything. I'm like, let me think about everything in advance. So I don't have to think about it when I'm traveling, but this is probably the only time in my life I didn't do that. Uh, And it was amazing. It wasn't expensive. We felt super safe. We island hopped, we got massages on our balcony at our really cheap resort. We went snorkeling in the second largest barrier reef. We were literally swimming with sharks. Like I'm, my mind is still blown that I actually jumped into the water with hundreds of sharks. Uh, We sailed on a catamaran while drinking rum punch and eating ceviche. It was Around the time that that song Despacito, which if you don't already know, translates to slowly, it was a huge hit and it was playing everywhere we went. And the motto of the island we were staying on, Key Cocker, was go slow. There were signs everywhere. Go slow, go slow. It was such a vibe. There are no cars on the island. So we rented a golf cart and just had too much fun driving that around but I was really surprised at how much I loved Belize. And there aren't many places I've been to where I, where I'm like, let me go back. Cause I want to see everywhere, but I would totally go back to Belize. That sounds magical. I'm convinced I should go now. And you see, I'm jealous cause I have been to Belize, but it was a cruise port. So we were just there for the day. So we just took a boat, like a bus to the ru- you know ruins, ate and went back to the boat. So mm-hmm. it's like, now I feel like I was gypped. And actually when we were um, last at the beginning of the summer and Bacalar is really close to the Belize border as well. So a lot of people will like rent cars and go down to Belize. We didn't get that adventurous. <laughs> so. Yeah. Cause you went to what Bacalar and that's Mexico, right? Mandy. Yeah. Mexico. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like, like I said, it's probably like 30, 40 minutes from the Belize border. And then, um, yeah, we went to Isla Mujeres, which is actually similar to where it's almost all golf carts on the island. You run a golf cart if you want to, like, enjoy the island. So now we love a little tea on this podcast, obviously. We like to talk a little bit about the negative side of things. We actually, me and Katie, uh, did a whole episode about Southern places we hate. (laughs) 
So what is a place that you did not like going to that, uh, you know, zero out of 10 would not recommend? <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Well, I don't know if it's zero out of 10 would not recommend. So, you know, they're all awesome experiences everywhere I've traveled. But when I think of the worst or my least favorite place of travel to, least favorite place, it would have to be Rome. Now, <laughs> I know this is this is hot tea, so listen up, ladies. I obviously visited Rome as a broke college student, so I'm sure I could have a fabulous time in Rome now on a slightly bigger budget, but I went in August, and it was so hot. Oh my goodness, it was so hot. Um, there were so many people. Everyone everywhere was trying to rip us off. This guy asked to take our picture for $5 with a Polaroid at the Trevi Fountain, then demanded $20. Another guy basically ran off with my luggage and then demanded money for putting it on the train for me. The Coliseum was under construction and couldn't be entered. And honestly, <laughs> the food tasted the same as Italian restaurants in the States. I'm just going to say it. And that's one thing that's been fairly consistent in my travels abroad, actually, is I've had just as good or sometimes even better international cuisine here in the States. Not all of it, obviously, but, you know, we have we have some pretty good food here and a lot of great chefs have you know, move to the U.S. So we, we get a good taste of things, especially in D.C., hot take. Um, after New Orleans, D.C. is my top foodie city in the U.S. Gotta go if you haven't been. So ending that negative question with a positive, go to D.C. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Get some, getting some good tea, good advice in here as well. So I, I'm a fellow DC city lover as well. Um, I think it's in, in terms of like really big cities that feel like cities, DC is probably one of the few that I could actually live in potentially. Yeah. It's got so much green space. I think it's a big thing there, you know? Yeah, I agree. It's so clean and it's, it's where like North meets South, right? So it's a really good, interesting combination of those. Um, but yeah, the food is phenomenal. So I understand. Um, I feel like Paris can be like that to you in certain situations. Uh, my Italian experience was a little fraught as well. I was also, um, I was in um, my master's program at the University of Edinburgh and we went for spring break. And first of all, my luggage got lost because the Terminal 5 uh, had opened and they did not consider the luggage, like how the luggage was going to work. So a lot of flights were canceled. Flights were leaving without luggage on them. I got moved to an Alitalia flight for British Airways and I did not see my luggage until after, got, after I got back from Scotland, like got back to my my place in Scotland two weeks, like three days later. And like the Italian, like Alitalia's like customer support was absolutely awful. <laughs> in Italy. And there was a lot of like places where I was just trying to like navigate the train stations and the, like the workers were like, we're not going to speak English to you. And I was like, I'm trying here. I just need to know if that's the right train platform. Like you could literally point, you don't even have to talk to me. <laughs> oh gosh. Luggage getting lost at the start of a trip. That's, that's always a good sign. <laughs> yeah. But, oh my was, gosh. It was, it was interesting. <laughs> How many yeah. days did you go without underwear again, Mandy? <laughs> Three. We eventually gave up on my luggage getting there. I used Ed's like boxer briefs one day and they like wedged in my like jeans and like chafed me. <laughs> and it was so And it was like a big group of us. So that's a whole other dynamic that we're not going to get into but it was funny because it's like I don't know why you're having such a hard time and Anthony of all people and if you know Anthony he's this big loud most like any like you think stereotypical American it's Anthony he has a good side though it's not like he's a jerk or anything like that but like when you think of like someone misplaced out abroad like, and Anthony's like of course she's upset she doesn't have any underwear <laughs> like he just like busted in from behind like us we were like walking in a group 
So he understood. He understood. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So you talking about Paris actually reminded me of the funniest, but also most horrifying thing that has ever happened to me when traveling. And I think I need to tell you ladies about it. Do you, do you want to hear the story of how I was almost arrested in Paris? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please. Okay. okay. <laughs> So I was traveling uh, to Finland for work, going to a conference, and I decided to have a layover going back home in Paris, because why not? I'm a young woman. Let me go to Paris by myself for two days and enjoy myself. So I do that. It's great, whatever. Um, We kind of touched on this, but like once you've seen one big city, you've kind of seen them all. I'm sorry. That's a horrible thing to say. It's it's not really the case with Paris, but I mean, it, it does have that just like big city overwhelming kind of vibe. It's not the place to go for relaxation after a really intense week of work necessarily, but I digress. Um, I'm leaving Paris and the lines are insane at the airport. Um, so I'm, I'm very close to missing my flight. Um, so once I get through security, I just dash to my gate. Um, you know, it took four years of French, but don't understand anything anywhere. Don't understand what's going on. And so at some point, I think I'm running to my gate, but I accidentally run straight out of the airport and into baggage claim. And once I realized like the split second after it happened, what had happened, I just walk right back through the door I just came out of. It was an automated door and it just hadn't closed yet. So I was like, oh, not not where I want to be. Let me get back through. And then I start running again up the stairs where I came and find my gate and run to my gate and get in line and they're boarding. And I'm one of the last people about to be put on the plane. And then I see... uh, the flight attendant working the gate counter or the ticketing counter um, gets a call and she is like looking around and kind of frantically talking on the phone. And then within seconds, there are like six police officers around me and they're like, come with me. <laughs> they apprehend me and I try and like, bawling my eyes out, explaining what just happened, that I didn't mean to leave the airport and come back in. I was just a dumb American who didn't know what was going on and can't read French, even though I kind of could. But it was terrifying. It was the stupid American card, Alexa. (laughs) And I don't blame you whatsoever. (laughs) You have to do what you have to do. Sometimes tears need to be shed. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Especially oh my in your case, like it's not like you did it on purpose. It's purely it's pure innocence. You know, you you realized after you went out what happened, but before you had no clue. So it's purely innocent. One hundred percent. Pull that card. You know. Yeah. We've all done yeah. It. I know we've all done it. And they were laughing, you know. But after they grilled me for like thirty minutes and made me miss my flight, so you know. <laughs> and they like leave early in Paris like yeah. that the Paris airports those flights if you're not there like 45 minutes before the flight it's gone yeah like it was it's so tight uh I missed one by like 35 minutes from uh like being taxied around in Paris like connecting to my Edinburgh flight and then I had to sit at the airport for like seven hours to wait for the next one <laughs> Mandy has like the worst luck in Paris ever. Every time she. Yeah, Paris makes me cry. Yeah. (laughs) And okay, so I'm not the only one. I'm sorry, Mandy, but I'm glad (laughs) to hear it. (laughs) Yep, I understand. Yep. Yep. Paris, something about Paris makes me cry. (laughs) It just happens. It just happens like that. (laughs) Yep. I think I'm the outlier. I I like Paris. Um, I've spent a lot of time in Paris actually at I think I've spent the most time in I've spent more time in Paris than I had almost any other European city especially any of the major ones especially um but I I studied a semester in France uh, about two hours southwest of Paris so I spent like a week long uh, I spent a week there with in like with teachers who took me around and like we did all these like 
all these different um, things and like, um, like different lessons out in the city itself. And so I, I think that there's a little bit of like a nostalgic and a deeper connection for me there, but I've also gotten to see things there that I wouldn't have seen if I was just a normal tourist, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of history that I've learned. And then a lot of like my, my instructors would take us to their favorite cafes or like little things like that. And then, um, and so there's a lot of things that I, I like about Paris. So, um, I'm also a big, like a lot of the, a lot of my favorite artists are, um, French too. So that's probably another part of it, but anyway, okay. I'm slightly biased basically. <laughs> we all love Van Gogh. <laughs> I need to go back to Paris and give it another shot and hopefully not cry. I'll tell you some of my favorite spots. Um, but please do. So let's take a quick break and we will be back. <laughs> Don't worry, the episode isn't over. We'll be right back after a short break. So, Alexa, as a new mom, it doesn't seem like having a baby has stopped you from traveling all over. What is it like traveling with a baby? And do you have any tips? <laughs> well, I'm glad it doesn't seem like having a baby has slowed me down from traveling. It definitely has. I would be traveling full time if I didn't have a baby, but I wouldn't change it for the world. I absolutely love my 18-month-old son, Jed. Uh, and yeah, he has been flying since he was four months old. I'm pretty proud of that. So far, he's flown to Boston, South Carolina, the Florida Keys, and Washington, D.C. twice. Surprise, surprise. This was uh, a mix of visiting family and work trips for my partner and one true vacation. Um, but so far, we've been so fortunate that he's very well behaved when we travel. He's really made it easy on us. And I, I don't know how much credit I can take there. So we've made some really great memories on vacation with him so far. And in terms of tips, <laughs> we're so, so blessed, honestly, because all but one of those times that we traveled uh, via plane, we brought a helper with us, either my grandmother or my partner's mom. So that would be my first tip. <laughs> it really comes in handy, especially when you're grabbing the 10,000 pieces of luggage that you need when traveling with a baby, because I have no tips there, like bring everything. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when your partner's grabbing the rental car, it's, it's a lot to juggle. So someone needs to be on baby duty. <laughs> Um, and we use miles most of the time when we fly. So maybe cash those in if you want to bring a helper with you. But my other tips would be wearing your baby anytime you can wear your baby is, is a great tip, but wearing them through the airport. That's a pro tip. Jet loved looking at everyone. He's such a flirt. That's all he does when we travel. He makes sweet eyes with the people sitting behind us on the plane and plays peekaboo. I'm like, stop, stop. You're drawing too much attention. <laughs> um, final tip, super necessary when they're little anyways, and, and take bottles, um, give them a bottle at takeoff so their ears don't pop and hurt. Um, that sucking is, is really uh, good so if their ears don't hurt. And um, time your flight so that nap time happens during the flight, ideally. Girl, if you can nail that timing, you're golden. They'll just sleep the whole <laughs> plane ride. The hum of the engine is the perfect white noise. So those are my tips. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that 
you're a traveling family and you named your child Jet. That is so cute. <laughs> yes, that was definitely was the reason name. we love to travel. And my partner, he he works for the Air Force. He works out at Keesler. Um, and yeah, his first flight was actually on JetBlue. They brought him up, you know, in the captain's area and gave him the wings and everything. So JetBlue is, I'm JetBlue loyal also. So it, <laughs> That's where his They're name fantastic. came from. <laughs> they really are. Yeah, that airline is amazing. Yeah, I agree. And I've only flown them once, and that's I'm like, yeah, that's that's where it's at. <laughs> I have their credit card because um, they're the only airline that flies nonstop between Boston and New Orleans. And the first mm-hmm. two years of my partner and mine's relationship, we were long distance. So, you know, once a month I was flying back and forth between Boston and New Orleans. Uh, so I really racked up those miles with the JetBlue credit card on that one. Yeah. There's also a direct JFK to New Orleans flight on JetBlue. So me and my husband took that to catch our flight to, to Beijing in 2019. That's nice. But, and it was nice because we sat down and they start, they give out like snacks and like full cans of drinks and stuff. And they, that's like long gone in a lot of airlines. So I was like, really? <laughs> They had like a whole basket of snacks and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> the snacks are bomb. It's a good selection. <laughs> it, it's like, like snack, snack, not like, like one cookie or like th- two ounces of pretzels. It's like an actual snack bag. Nice. I feel like there's a lot of, of just customer service has gone completely downhill with Air, most airlines in general so it's really refreshing to hear good things about them I've also heard really good things about like Alaska Air and stuff like that too the people with Alaska Air from Alaska that I know are a hundred percent loyal they will never fly anything else um yeah. yeah Melissa who's been on our podcast is a Alaskan air like she's that's her where her points are is Alaska yeah. Air yeah so yeah, she just she went. Uh, me and her flew to Vegas. I flew Spirit, and she flew Alaska. And her experience and my experience were way different. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, Alaska Air is great for West Coast travel. I've flown them a bunch, and they're actually partners with JetBlue, which oh. makes sense. That makes- American. <laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. It, it, Alaska Air doesn't really help you if you're on the East Coast, of course, and I haven't I've ever actually gotten to take it either, but um, we do have some out of Phoenix that that I potentially could take at some point, but um, haven't had the pleasure yet, so maybe one day. So this is my favorite question, Alexa. So what's your favorite travel hack, and what five things, besides like the normal wallet, phone, uh, you can't travel without? Yeah, great question. So my top travel tip is to try to take the first flight out in a day because it's the least likely to get canceled. And for us Southerners who are fighting those afternoon thunderstorms, that's a real pro hack for you. (laughs) And always use Google Flights to find the best option. That's, yeah, my non-negotiable for sure. You got to be able to compare. Um, And then my five things uh, that I travel with are one, a book, two, my iPad, three, a notebook. I'm often very creatively inspired when I'm on a plane. I'll journal, write letters, make lists, and get a ton of work done. And this is a real thing. I'm sure you've heard of it, flow state. And at least for me, um, but I've heard other people say it too, it gets amplified when you're moving in a car and when you're on a plane. So I like to channel that creative energy when I'm flying. Uh, Four is a suitcase full of clothing. And this is a checked bag for sure. Anywhere I'm going, it doesn't matter the amount of days. Like I'm a checked bag girly because I have to have room for 
all of my outfits. Um, you'll never see me wearing the same thing twice, including the sweater that I'm wearing right now. It's a rental from Fashion Pass or Newly. I do them both. I don't have a code for you. I'm not an influencer yet, but highly recommend Fashion Pass and Newly. Um, I always look forward to planning my outfits strategically for my travels using post-it notes that outline the day and the activity and the weather forecast. Yeah, it's it's fun. Um, and my final thing is a totem. So this changes over time. Uh, when I was young and flying back and forth from California to Mississippi, I was uh, always sure to carry my mini Virgin Mary clay figurine with me. I would hold it and I would pray during turbulence because even though I've been flying since I was six months old and flying across the country alone at six years old, um, I've always been nervous flying. I, I can't seem to shake it. I don't know, but I, I've never let it stop me from flying. You just have to breathe through it and think logically about, about it. <laughs> but my totem in recent days is this necklace from Mantra Band. And it says, I am guided and supported. And so I wear that whenever I fly. And when I get nervous, I just rub on it. And it's totally rubbed raw. You can barely see what it even says at this point, but I know. And uh, I know I am protected when I travel. And yeah, those are the items that I cannot travel without. Nice. I love I love all of those um, unique takes on uh, how people travel. And I think I just learned something from you. Don't be scared to check a bag. Sometimes I am like the I try to be like the minimal queen, right? I've learned so many travel hacks from Mandy and Leah about condensing my packing. Um, and, you know, if you, a, a tip that I usually use would be like, just because you have the space doesn't mean you have to fill it, right? If you want souvenirs or who knows what you'll be bringing back. But I I appreciate and respect the the other side of travel where you're, you're planning your outfits and you don't wear the same thing more than, uh, you know, you have something for every day and girl, you are like bougie and I love it. <laughs> I like options. I yes. like options. Yeah. I'm and a it, maximalist it, traveler, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And it, and it puts into perspective that there's no wrong way to travel. So and it, true. And to me, the best way to travel is how are you going to best enjoy your trip? Yeah, so true. And if that's curating your outfits for every occasion, which by the way, I also do. I just like do sometimes I I do like the whole um like wardrobe, like uh what is it called? Capsule wardrobe kind of thing. So I do wear some like the same pieces often again, but um I use like I've used a lot of Mandy's uh packing guru knowledge to decrease the amount of things or I maximize my minimalist space. How about that? <laughs> there you go. I love that. I need to take a lesson from Mandy on that. I really need it. But I'll, I can give you a lesson on how to make sure your checked bag is exactly 50 pounds because I don't even need a scale. Like I'm just like, yep, that's 49.5 right there. Oh, I love awesome. that. That's I love that. Like I would power. Lesson. That is a superpower for sure. Yeah. Truly. Yeah, yeah. We all, we all have our strengths there. That's awesome. I think we should talk a little bit about how travel is perceived in the South versus other places. Yeah. Because my family, unless I don't know, there's like random sides of my family that travel, but they have like a lot of expendable income to put it nicely. But like my grandparents and my parents, like when I traveled, they're like, why do you want to do that? <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, I can relate to that. I think I'm, I'm definitely the most well-traveled person in my family, both my Southern family and my Northern family. But um, my family and friends down here definitely seem to have traveled less. And I don't know why that is. I mean, this is a great place to live. So I guess they just don't want to leave because they're super comfortable <laughs> here. Um, but I don't understand that when I feel comfortable, that's when I'm like, okay, 
it's time to change things up. I need to change of scenery. I need to rearrange all the furniture in my house or book a ticket somewhere. Um, but that's probably my childhood of moving every couple of years, rearing its head. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure really how to answer that question on how travels perceived in the South. I just wish more people did it and could really understand the value of it. But it's one of those things that you don't get until you do it. Oh, this is interesting, actually. My partner, Clint, who I've been with for seven years, um, he was 32 when we met and he had never been on a plane. Um so I got him out of his shell and we started traveling immediately and he got the bug and now he loves to travel and he's always like, all right, where are we going next? When's our next trip? So when, once you get the bug, it's, it's hard to shake it. So you just got to allow yourself to get bit. I, I completely <laughs> agree. So when DJ and I first started dating, um, he also had never been on a plane before and Mandy and Katie and I decided um, we were going to all go to Europe. So DJ's first trip on a plane was to Portugal. <laughs> Mine and, was to London. So I, I empathize because yeah, it was when I yeah. studied abroad in London was my first time on a plane. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of it is, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to, to try and pinpoint exactly what, um, what the difference is for, and I don't know if it's necessarily potentially like a generational thing, you know, too, we just, we all had maybe our, the world is smaller now and we have more access to a lot of these things. It's much easier to book travel, you know, um, my first experience was with study abroad. So that was kind of a, a thing where it was like almost like a safe space to travel in that way because I was going to school. Right. And, but I would never have thought about going except that my college roommate decided she was going to go to France. And so she asked me if I wanted to go with her and all my scholarships applied and it just kind of worked out for the best. And it was serendipitous in that way. And then, but you're very much right. Like once you get the travel bug, it's there and uh, it doesn't take much to get bit. So it's persistent for sure. Yeah. What about you, Mandy? What do you think it's because you've, you've kind of had, um, you've, you've had some of the most uh, adventurous travel, I would say, in terms of, of places that you've gone, like you've lived in Vietnam, you've, you know, you've traveled to China, you've traveled pretty far. Um, what do you think it is? Because I know that you always get the whole, um you know, if you travel, you're going to die over there or something like that. Yeah. And I totally did this past Mexico trip again, because mm -hmm. instead of being like targets and be being a shuttle to a, an all exclusive resort, me and Ed chose to go to the local bus station and take a six hour bus on the local bus. Now it was a nice bus. It was not like it wasn't a chicken bus, but it was like <laughs> all the bus, all the locals took. And yeah. before I left, my mom and them were like, well, you know, don't get taken or whatever. And one of my good friends said, she goes, at least you don't have to go to work the following Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that perspective. Uh, but yeah, every time I go, I get it. And it's just about doing, and you don't even need to do a lot of research. It's just about doing research. Mm -hmm. And if you research it, there's a lot of dangerous places in Mexico, but the most, uh, the safest city in Mexico that has lower crime rates than a lot of places in the U.S. is in the Yucatan Peninsula. Yeah. And Bacalar is where all of the Mexican families go for vacation. So this is like, when we were there that Sunday, it was all families having picnics. It was, it was great. It was no, nothing, nothing sketchy. We walked back and forth from our, uh, where we were staying our Airbnb at night on like a dirt road with no lights. Like, and it was fine. No one, it was like a little sleepy town on the lagoon. And it just took like researching. And I watched a lot of videos of people who lived in Mexico traveling there. 
so in Vietnam was the same way. Actually, I, I swear to y'all, Vietnam and Ho Chi Minh City was way safer than in certain places in Gulfport at night. I can, I guarantee you, I never felt unsafe or threatened. Now there is a lot of petty crime. Like you don't leave your your cell phone on the on the coffee, you know, at the cafe on on the table, but it it was it was very it was very safe. They have a lot of CCTV cameras. They don't want to mess with like foreigners either. They don't want to have to deal with foreigners, <laughs> you know, like as far as the police go and uh, traffic stops and things like that. So it's just all about doing a little research, but I do every time I go y'all anywhere I go somewhere that's a little bit off the beaten path. People like it's my family. A lot of them are my family. They're like, oh, you're never going to come back or like you're going to get taken or you're, this is going to happen or this is going to happen. But a lot of those places are safer than where I live. <laughs> so it's all about researching and knowing what you're doing before you leave. Yeah. So why do you think travel is, why do you think travel is perceived like that though? I think it's because there is a sense of control within a Southern family. And when you travel, you leave that sphere of control. I get that. I can see Especially that. with like highly matriarchal families like mine was. Like when I told my great grandmother I was going to graduate school in Scotland, which was like literally the best, one of the best universities in the world. She said, I did not love my family. Oh, really? So, yeah. So I think it, and also I think too in the South, and I, I found this too when I changed careers. There's some kind of weird sense about if you are a little different or you do things a little different, it's automatically like try to like shut it down. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that's kind of subconscious. Mm. Yeah. But that's just my personal opinion. Y'all can take, you know, everyone that's listening, take it, leave it. But this is just based on my experience and what I've seen kind of observed around. From my experience, it's more, it hasn't been like, I mean, I guess my experience has been slightly different because um, like my dad traveled a lot in the military as well. So Mm -hmm. that's a, that was a big proponent of him encouraging me to travel. Um, And so parts of my family really encouraged that that side of us. Um, but it was still, there's still a lot of like, I think more for me, it was people that it's more like safety concerns. And, and I don't know if it's just, if you haven't traveled, you it's, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. It's like a control, like a fear of the unknown. Maybe. Yes. And I do get it from friends too. I have like a friend, I just had this conversation with where they're like, you know, going to do something new is really terrifying to them. So going to travel is like all the new things. And I can see that perspective too. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's such a sense of community and safety in a lot of areas in the South that maybe um, those experiences outside just feel like they're maybe a little too different and too, um, and, and sometimes that can be scary. Maybe, I don't know. And also, you have to think about where you're going for the support or where you're going to um, share your your travel plans with. If you're going to your parents and they are used to giving you that feedback of like, here's my advice, but they haven't been there. So they have no place or no grounds to give you advice. It's unknown, like you just said, right? And it's fear that of the unknown. So it's, you know, I guess that's the glasses we're looking through. That's the phenomenological like perspective of who you're chatting with about your travels, you know? Um, But it, it, like Mandy said, you could get it from your friends as well, you know? So it just, it just depends on, I guess, who you're reaching out to, to chat with it about. And travel definitely pushes you out of your comfort zone. And, and some people just aren't, aren't, aren't comfortable, like aren't comfortable. (laughs) But I think that it's something that when you start doing it, you start doing it little by little. So people like military families, they move around a lot. Like Alexa, you, you came from, um, right. Well, not, 
not military, right? It wasn't military. No, my mom worked no. in the movie industry. That's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, but like my dad was in the military um, and his family. So we moved around a lot. So those things were comfort, comfortable. Like when I moved to Arizona, my mom was excited because she didn't want me to be so far away, but she felt comfortable with it because she had lived here when I was younger. You know what I mean? Whereas, um, not everybody felt that way. Everybody, a lot, some people were just really concerned about us moving out so far away, but my mom had done that before. So even though she often, um, worries, like over worries sometimes about things as moms do, right. As we all do as moms mm-hmm. or as moms do, um, it was comfortable to her because she had been there before and she liked Arizona. So I think there's, you know, those kinds of things, uh, the more experience you have with travel, the more comfortable you get doing it. I think you can build yourself up to have the confidence to take the trip. And a good way to do that is to start small by doing one thing every day that scares you. I've really tried to implement that habit in my daily life, like from little small things to killing a spider or, (laughs) you know, bigger things like getting on this podcast. I've never done a podcast before, but this has been such a rewarding experience. And I think that is the biggest key to growth hacking is do something every day that scares you. Yeah, really hit the nail on the head there. Uh, the, some of the best choices I've made in my life have been the ones that like made me want to pee my pants. I was so scared, you know, like, like the ones that you just, you have to take the leap and then hope that there's the, a net, you know, <laughs> you have to take it first. And then you find out, you know, it wasn't as, usually isn't as scary after the fact. So so right. absolutely that's traveling in a nutshell just leap mm-hmm. and the net will appear hopefully mm-hmm. right. usually most, <laughs> most most of the time there's going to be another plane there's going to be another train uh-huh. there's going to be another bus to catch it'll yeah. it's going to be okay that's when mm-hmm. those travel totems come in handy right rub the mm-hmm. worries away <laughs> definitely so before we wrap up here alexa would you like to share your social media accounts Yeah, that would be great. So you can find me on Instagram. That's my channel of choice. And my personal highlight reel features all of my travels and jet. That's it. I'm just, I have two things going on, travel and jet. (laughs) So that's at at Ask Alexa Renee, R-E-N-E-E. And then uh, check out my local account about creative things to do and small businesses on the Mississippi Gulf Coast and surrounding areas. And that is Gather Gulf Coast. My main objective with Gather Gulf Coast is really to make new friends to do creative things with. So if you're into having a good time with like-minded ladies, hit me up. Thank you. Awesome. And we will definitely be sharing those social media outlets of yours on our social media. So don't tell Momo crew, you know what to do. Follow us on all of our social media accounts. And thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Bye y'all. For more stories and all things Southern, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple podcast or wherever you find your podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media platforms at Don't Tell Momo. We would like to give a big thank you to David Sewell for the original music. Thank you to all of our Momos who have inspired us along the way. And thank you to Anchor for your incredibly user-friendly site. 